From 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 3, the Apostle Paul said, For I delivered to you first of all that which also I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Then dropping down to verse 15, And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty, and your faith also is empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God, because we have testified of God that He raised up Christ, whom He did not raise up. In fact, the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile, and you are still in your sins. Then also, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life we only have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Read verse 20 with me. But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. You may be seated. Now, Father, this resurrection morning, we look to your word. We thank you for speaking to us by the spirit of the living God. We thank you that your grace and your power is in this place. And we glorify you in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. So without the resurrection, my preaching is useless. If the resurrection did not happen, what we're doing here this morning is a complete waste of time. As the scripture says, we're false witnesses. That no one who has ever died will ever be raised. That our faith is empty and our faith is useless and it's powerless. That means the prayer of faith cannot work for us. What we claim by faith will not work for us. How many of you know that you can't have a living faith with a dead Savior? So the resurrection is in fact a vital part of the total uniqueness of Jesus Christ. When you think about it, he was unique in every aspect of his life. In his birth, in his life, in his nature, in his death, and in his resurrection. Tony Evans wrote a book years ago called The King of Glory, and I quote. He says this, The resurrection places Jesus Christ in a class by himself. It makes him unique. Other religions can compete with Christianity on some things. They can say, for example, your founder gave us a holy book. Our founder gave us a holy book. Your founder has a large following. So does ours. You have buildings where people come to worship your God. We have buildings where people come to worship our God. But only Christians can say, all of those things may be true, but our founder rose from the dead. End of conversation. So I was riding my bike yesterday in a workout facility that I go to on Saturdays. And there was a young man next to me. And I started talking to him about, a little bit about the church and, and uh, wanted to invite him to church. And I did. And of course, um, he grew up in a Buddhist family. And I basically said to him, not condescendingly, but lovingly, I said, you know, the difference between other gods and our God and my God is this. Buddha is dead. Muhammad is dead. But my God rose from the dead. And I'm glad that he did. How about you? 
Now, from the book of Ephesians, we want to take a look at resurrection power a little while this morning. So look over at Ephesians 1, verse 15. In verse 15, it says, Therefore also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. Now, we cannot get a revelation of something that does not exist. The word revelation there in the Greek is apocalypsis, which simply means a disclosure. The root word is to take the cover off of. And so what Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus, and what I pray for you on a regular basis, he's praying for us to receive a revelation of what is already ours. And in verse 18, he's praying that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. The Amplified says, flooded with light, that you may know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And dropping down to verse 9, it says this, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. In other words, what the Lord is saying to us, we must have faith in the resurrection. He said this exceeding greatness of his power will benefit you and I as we plug into it with our faith. And then he says, it is in direct proportion or it is according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. I want you to read verse 21 through 23 with me. Ready, read. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come and has put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. What this is saying to us this morning is that there was a day when all of God's ruling power, when all of his endowed power, and all of his inherent power were put into the form of resurrection power. And that was the day that Jesus was raised from the dead. On that day, more power was displayed than any other day before. More power was displayed that day when he said, let there be light. More power was displayed that day when he created the heavens and the earth. The exceeding greatness of his power. It's when God rolled up his sleeve and flexed his arms and the arm of the Lord raised Jesus from the dead. And did you know that it does no good to believe that God has power if we do not believe that it will work for us? You see, from a natural point of view, it looked literally impossible that Jesus would be raised from the dead. All of hell rejoiced for three days and three nights. They were saying, there's no way that he's going to come up out of this grave. 
And I'm sure that Jesus himself had to fight the good fight of faith and display faith in the resurrection power of God, knowing full well that he was going to take upon him the sin, the sickness, the disease of the whole world. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, he began to sweat, uh, uh, sweat blood because of the great pressure. But on bended knee, he said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. I believe that Jesus had faith in his father. I believe that he had faith in the resurrection power of God. He knew that Abraham's son, hallelujah, would be raised up. Jesus knew that Lazarus got raised up. He knew that that one that was in the beer, that was in the coffin of the widow's son, he knew that he got raised up. And he knew that his father would raise him from the dead. So it looked impossible. It looked like it couldn't be done. Nothing looked more impossible from him coming out of the grave. It took, as I said, the working of his mighty power, the exceeding greatness of his power. Listen very carefully. The fact that Jesus was raised from the dead makes your restoration. It makes your healing. It makes the things that look impossible, it makes them look easy. Amen. If God can raise Jesus from the dead, what is it about paying a PG&E bill? If God can raise Jesus from the dead, he can heal of cancer. He can heal of arthritis. He is the God who raises the dead. Look at your neighbor and say, it's easy for God. See, our attitude needs to be this. If he can do that, he can do this. You know, I love what Peter preached on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. He said, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified him, and put him to death. Verse 24, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Even though it may seem like it was not possible. I just dropped by this morning to tell you that we serve a God with whom there is no impossibilities. And I believe when the father looked at Jesus in the grave, he said, there's no way he's staying in there. Early on Sunday morning, he's coming up. I love what the Weiss translation says of Mark 9, 23. He says, now in the presence of men, as men look at this, it's impossible. It can't be done. But in the presence of God, as he looks at this, all things are possible. In other words, it can be done and it was done. Now on that day of Pentecost, Peter preached under the power of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And as we drop down to verse 41, we see something glorious happened that day. It says, Then those whom, who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 souls were added to them. Think about that. 3,000 souls added to the kingdom of God on the day of Pentecost. 
And so the question would be, what is it that makes us believers? I'll tell you what makes us believers. It's believing that it's done. It's believing that God raised Jesus from the dead after he gave his life as a substitute for us. The scripture says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what will happen? You will be saved. I love what Jesus said to Martha and to Mary. Lazarus was dead. And Jesus said to to her, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. The previous verse says that I know that Lazarus will raise up in the final day or in the last day. And what Jesus was saying to her, look, the resurrection is here right now, for I am the resurrection. See, oftentimes we put, out, put off the resurrection to past and future events. But I'm here to tell you today that he is the resurrection right here, right now. And if we will have faith in the resurrection power of God, he can raise up anything that's dead in our life. Notice this with me in John 11, verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he says, do you believe this? What he's saying is believe in me. And in order to believe in me, you must believe in the resurrection. And you know what? That's all it takes. That's all it took for me in March of 1975 when I gave my heart to the Lord, when my burden was rolled away. I believe that he died. I believe that he was buried. And I believe that he rose again. How about you? Do you believe that? You see, that's all that it takes. It's not where you were born. It's not how much education you might have. It's not how much money you have. You know, many people in this day and age, they get intimidated about what others have. Well, they have a nicer house than I do. Well, they have a house and I don't have a house. They've got a nicer car than I do, nicer clothes than I do, maybe even a nicer husband than I do. (laughs) And intimidation comes to people because there is this trap that we can all fall into called the comparison trap. But I'm here to tell you this, that if you know Christ, nothing can compare to that. You know, there was a little boy playing in his front yard and he was tossing his ball up in the air and he was catching it. And all of a sudden a man pulled up in an automobile and rolled his window down and and said, you know, I need to get to Interstate 5. Can you tell me where it is? Can you tell me how to get there? The little boy just looked at the man and says, no, I'm sorry, I can't. And he just kept tossing his ball up in the air and catching it. Well, the man was pretty persistent. He says, well, do you know where Main Street is? Because if I can get to Main Street, I know that I-5 is close to there. So can you tell me how to get to Main Street? And the little boy says, no, I, I, I can't. And he just kept tossing his ball and catching his ball. And so next he said, well, could you please tell me where a gas station is? He says, no, I can't. I'm sorry. Kept just tossing his ball. And the man got extremely frustrated with him. He says, well, 
Man, he says, you just don't seem to know anything, do you? And the little boy looked at him and said, well, I'm not lost. (laughs) You may not know what a lot of folks know. You may not have what a lot of folks have. But if you're not lost, if you know your sins are forgiven... If you know you have right standing with the Father. If you know that you're on your way to heaven. You know everything you need to know. And when it's all said and done, it's really not what you know, but it's who you know. And when we receive Him, all of us become new creations. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. You and I have a a new identity. And with as much identity theft out there as in the natural realm, there's also a spiritual realm where the enemy comes to seek and he comes to destroy our knowledge of who we are in Christ. Don't let him do that. Put that rat on the run by continuously feeding on resurrection realities, on who you are and what you have and where you are in Christ Jesus. For in fact, as Jesus was raised, you were raised. For he made us all sit together with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He raised you up far above all the enemy's power. Now, in 1 John chapter 4, this is, this is a very... How many of you are believing with me today? You're believing God that I can communicate this in a way that will, that will help, that will edify, lift you, and bless you. In 1 John... Uh, chapter 4, and let's look at verse 17. Let's, let's read it together, okay? Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is... Oh, let's just stop right there. Notice this phrase, because as He is. It does not say, as He was, so are we. It says... As he is, so are we. Well, who is he? He is the resurrected one. Jesus got up. Jesus got out. And Jesus wants to get into your life. When you receive him this morning, he raises you up. And since he got up and he got out, we don't have to stay down. We do not have to stay down. If we could ever get the revelation of resurrection and literally start living the resurrected life, any time and every time that the enemy comes against us, we could just be like the eagle and rise above it. I'd feel like this morning there's some resurrected eagles in the house. Now, all of us in life have faced a storm or two. If you've faced a storm or two, raise your right hand. If you've faced a storm of three or four, raise both hands. If people look up the word storm in the dictionary and your picture is there, raise both hands, both feet, both legs, and wiggle your toes. Every one of us. It's not a question of whether or not 
we will face a storm or have faced a storm. The question is, is what will we do when the storm comes? What will we do when the crisis of life comes to us? For the crisis of life comes to each and every one of us. But let's take a lesson from the eagle. The eagle never flies into the storm. What the eagle does, it flies above the storm. And it uses the storm to take it higher. In all these years that I've been alive, in all these years that Brenda and I have been pastoring, I have never, ever seen anyone that was greatly blessed that didn't have a storm up under them somewhere at some time in their life. Many of you have been in a storm. Some of you are in a storm right now. But somehow, by the grace of God, you made it over. You made it over. You made it through. Why? Because you spread your resurrected eagle wings and soared above it. What are you saying, Pastor Mark? Here's what I'm saying. You excelled when people wanted you to fail. You survived when they cursed you. You won when they hated you. You lived when they wanted you to die. You smiled when they wanted you to cry. You just kept on standing because you kept on spreading your wings as He is. So are we in this world. Glory to God. Look at your neighbor and say, Hello, eagle. What are you encouraging us to do? I'm encouraging you to flop your wings right in the devil's face. Jesus spoiled principalities and powers. He made a show of them openly. He triumphed over them in it. He did it for you and he did it for me. Just flop your wings in the devil's face and mount up with an eagle and begin to soar into the heavenlies in resurrection grace and resurrection power. Can you say amen? amen? I want to say a few things to all of you resurrected eagles today. Stop fighting with things you're called to fly above. Stop fighting with those things that you are called to soar above. Jesus brought us out and up. And one way that we can do this is we must absolutely, I mean, close the door on what people say about us. We must not allow ourselves to take on the cares of this life about what people say about us or even what they remember about us. One of the reasons why I don't go to my high school, whatever they call it, (laughs) reunion because they remember the old Mark. Remember when we used to do this. Remember when we used to do that. Remember this. Remember that. I don't want to remember that. God doesn't remember it. I'm not going to remember it. I'm not going to rehearse a dead man's tale. I've got too much life in me to lower myself because I've been lifted up. Anyway. Now I'm not telling you to cancel your high school reunion. But... What I'm telling you is this. You're too high to worry that low. You're too high to wrestle that low. 
you're too high to be intimidated by what's going on down low. Why is that? Because you're above it. I'm above it. We're above it. Say it with me. I'm above it. I'm above fear. I'm above worry. I'm above depression. Don't live in a chicken coop when you're called to live the resurrected life. Today, as a pastor, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to teach you on a level of what's already been done. I'm not so interested in doing a repeat course on yesterday. God does not necessarily do encores. When He says it is finished, it is finished. When He says it is done, it is done. When He says it is settled, it is settled. I hear the Spirit of God saying, Forever, O Lord, Thy Word is settled in heaven. Now here's the problem. Many people do not realize what he has, has been done. They don't know what's been done. Now there's no dispute on what he has done in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection. The dispute is this, is whether we realize it or not. There's no argument today whether he rose from the dead. Come on somebody. We know for sure that he did. How many of you know that archaeologists with all the latest and newest equipment, have been looking for his body for years and years and years. They found the ark, but they've never found the body of Jesus. Many are out there looking for the body of Jesus because they want to shut us up. Good luck. They'll never shut us up. With wide open mouth, we're going to shout it from the housetops that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is alive. So there's no dispute about that. The dispute is this, is whether we will ever be able to realize the ramifications of the resurrection for us. And this is where the renewing of the mind comes in. I believe that one of the greatest major revelations that he wants us to receive is this. And I quote from Sammy Rodriguez, when Jesus died, your past died. When Jesus died, your sins died. When Jesus died, your darkness died. When Jesus died, your captivity died. When Jesus died, your failure died. But when He rose, and when He got up, your salvation came to life. Your deliverance came to life. Your healing came to life. Your light came to life. Come on, somebody. Your peace came to life. Your miracles come to life. And your eternity comes to life. That's a revelation. That is a revelation of identification. And then another great one that I believe that we can all see and we can embrace today on this resurrection morn is found in Romans chapter 8. And notice with me in verse 11. I want us to read this together. Ready? Please read. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. Now let's just keep this up here right just for a moment. I like to say it this way. Since the Spirit of Him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in us. 
This quickening spirit, this same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. We are the temples of the Holy Spirit. We have been bought with a price. And the word quicken there is an old English word which which means to make alive, to give life to something that was dead, and it also means to heal. Of course, the context there is this. He will quicken, He will heal your mortal body. And that means this, that because Jesus was raised from the dead, we can be raised from sickness and disease. And we can expect a quickening, a healing, a life-giving power to come into our bodies and to make us alive. He has a track record of quickening people. This word quicken not only is for your body, but perhaps you're in a relationship that has died. Thank God He gives life to those things which are dead. Maybe you're in a situation where there's a lot of debt and there's a lot of lack in your life. How many of you know He can quicken a dead pocketbook? Somebody say amen. We serve a God who quickens the dead and He brings life to us. Listen to this statement. Since there was enough power to raise Jesus from the dead, surely there's enough power available here and now. He said, I am the resurrection right here, right now. To bring us out of sin into salvation. To bring us out of darkness into the family of God. I can testify this one. He brought me out of addiction into freedom. I should have been dead and in hell for years and years and years. But Jesus saw me in my sin. And he said, he is a prime candidate to be a preacher for me. He brought, folks, he brought us a mighty long way. Come on, somebody. Has he brought you a mighty long way? Oh, I know we got further to go. I know we got a ways to go. But I hear Philippians 1, 6 says, He who began a good work in us, He's going to perform it. He's going to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. This quickening power of the Holy Spirit can turn a pauper into a millionaire. Especially when that person has their act together in regards to the advancement of the kingdom of God. But not only that, He can quicken He can bring to life a stagnant relationship. A stagnant relationship. A stagnant relationship in the marriage. But I believe this. He can also quicken our walk with Him. He can quicken a relationship that has gone south to where we used to be in church many, many times during the course of a year. Now we're sporadically in church. To where we used to read the word every day, but now we just take a little promise out of the promise box every month or so. Listen, friends, God stands at the door and he knocks on our lives. And that door, the knob is not on the outside, but the knob is on the inside. And so we can allow him to come in, in all of his resurrection, power and grace, and quicken our walk with him. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Well, I hope you got something out of today. That's my Easter message for you. Glory to God. Amen.
thank you, Lord. 